awesome. You're all required to be here at 4 o'clock tonight for choir practice. You guys sounded amazing. As we sing this next song, just praising God this morning that we're here, that we're together. He is our Father. He is our Creator, and He made us to worship Him. So as we sing this next song this morning, let's just praise His name. He is glorious.
Thank you. God does deserve our praises. You can have a seat, please, as we continue. All right. We are glad that you're here today. We have a baby dedication, a service of baby dedication this morning. You know, God has just been really doing some powerful things in our church. Uh, We've had just an explosion of young people, and uh, we're excited about that. When the nurseries are full, that's an exciting time in the church, isn't it? So we're so thankful for all that God's doing in our church. So I'm going to ask several families that are here to dedicate their baby. I'm going to call them by name and ask them to come forward here this morning. Um, and uh, we're going to dedicate their children to the Lord. So uh, first of all, this is Justin and Melissa Larisso, and they are bringing Jenna Justine Larisso. And uh, proud grandmother is here this morning, Renee Larisso. Where's she at? If she could stand, we'll just honor her as well. Let's welcome them to the church this morning. And uh, she was born on August, we'll stand the light here, guys, all right? August the 30th, and we have her picture up there real big so you can see. And uh, proud parents, Justin and Melissa, let's thank God for her, amen? Let's thank the Lord. Thanking God for great parents in our church. Uh, the next is Matt and April Sullivan. They're bringing Emily Irene Sullivan. And uh, let's welcome them up here onto the stage as well. Proud, proud grandparents this morning present here are John and Vanessa Sullivan and John and Vicki Connell. If you four would stand, we're, we just want to honor you this morning. Thank God for you guys. Okay? We're thanking God. And we're thanking God for Vanessa's first day back after a heart surgery, man. We're thanking God for you. It's so exciting. And uh, I'm going to move this over to the side. Let's welcome them, shall we? And then next we have, uh, we have Joe and Teresa Williams. They're bringing Lila Joycelyn. Jo- Lila Joycelyn Williams. Let's welcome them this morning. More great parents up here on the stage. You can see her pictures up there as well. We've had each one of their pictures up. Um, uh, your, your, your little baby, uh, Emily Irene, was born on January the 7th. And then little Lila was born on 10-8 of 2014, right? So uh, we're thanking God, and your parents are here. We have Brenda Walters and Robin Kathy Williams. Would you stand? Proud grandparents for Lila. We're so thankful that you're here today. All right, and so we, we just want to pause this morning. We want to take some time and, and just honor God this morning as we think about babies and, and dedicating them. First of all, I, wanna, I just want to thank God for each one of them. Lila, nice to meet you. Okay, she has her own show going on, right? Emily, nice to meet you. All right, and we also have over here, we have Jenna, nice to meet you. All right, so we're, we're thanking God for all that he's doing here and, uh, and how that he's moving in your, in your lives and what great parents, too. I'll tell you what, I've know, I know each one of these couples, and they are fantastic couples who love the Lord are growing in their faith personally, and they are, they're just growing in, in, in the Lord. And now they have children. God's given them children. Over in the book of Psalm 127, verse 3, 
it proclaims that sons are a heritage from the Lord, children are a reward from Him. And so this morning, look at the rewards that God has given to these parents. Amen? God has rewarded them. And uh, we, we are called here today to recognize that God has, has given you not only this great reward, but a great responsibility, hasn't He? He's given you a responsibility to, to raise Him, to honor and love Him. We're told over in 1 Samuel chapter 1 that Hannah presented her son to the Lord, her son Samuel to the Lord. And over in Luke chapter 2, verse 22, that uh, Mary and Joseph actually presented Jesus to the Lord in the very same fashion that you are doing today. Um, In the same way, we see here that uh, that Justin and Melissa, you're coming before the Lord and you're, you're honoring God with your baby. And Matt and April, you're coming before the Lord and you're honoring Him with your baby. And Joe and Teresa, you're honoring Him with your baby. God has been so good to you. And as we stand here today, we pause and we celebrate. We say, thank you, Lord, for the gift of life. We say thank you, Lord, for the gift of godly parents, parents who love the Lord. And I better get moving or else we're not going to finish, right? But I want to remind you, here's a verse of the Scripture this morning. It says this. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 7 tell us, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk, walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. And then over in Ephesians 6.4, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Instead, bring them up in training and instruction of the Lord. God's instructions are plain today that we are to bring our children up in the, in the admonition, the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And so today, I have a, uh, I have a jar of marbles here. There are 936 marbles in this jar. And each marble represents one wink of your child's life from the time they were born to the time they turn 18 and they go off to college. And I wish somebody would have given me this 18 years ago because I have an empty jar right now. Mine's, my one is at college. And I have, I have a second jar that has about 12 marbles left. There's not much time left. But this is the time that you have to impact your child. And so what we're doing is we're going to give these to you today in just a few moments. And what we're going to do is we're going to, we are going to ask you to take out one a week. Keep them safe away from your kids, right? But we want you to take out one a week, and it will be a visual for you to slow, that you'll slowly see the time that you have with your kids. Because love over time is powerful. When you take time and you, you put love to it, it is just a, a powerful thing. When we take the spiritual impact that God wants to have on your children... And you, and you put that over time. Uh, you come in here week in and week out. Listen, it doesn't seem like much. You're just taking out one a week. But every time you come in, you're putting a little bit into their life. And that's one last week that you have to impact their life. And what a valuable thing. Look at all the time that God's given you to, to impact their life. And, but one day you'll start to see you get about second or third grade. That thing starts to drop. About sixth grade. And when they get their license... It's all over, guys, all right? It's all over. Especially, well, we have all girls today, all right? So as with a boy, they're gone, right? So, but listen, you have a, a powerful thing here to impact the life of your children. So today, you're bringing your, your children before the Lord, and you're, you're saying that we are here to honor the Lord with our children. We're here to raise them to honor and love the Lord. And so I, I ask you, Justin and Melissa, is that your desire to, to raise your baby Jenna, to honor and love the Lord this morning. Okay? I ask you, Matt and April, is that your 
your, your decision, your heart to raise your child to honor and love the Lord. Okay? And John Teresa, I ask you, is that your decision to honor, to raise Lila to honor and love the Lord? Absolutely, okay? So then today, she wants the marbles. Today, I want to pause and pray over them. And I would like to ask you, our congregation, um, would you stand with me as we honor the Lord in prayer? And let's dedicate these children before the Lord. And let's just ask God to, to move in, in many great ways in their lives. All we can do is provide the environment. Um, we provide the environment and God does the rest. And so we're, one day each one of these children will come to know the Lord. And it will be of their own decision to follow Christ. But these parents have said we're going to provide the family. We're going to provide the, the home. We're going to raise them in a place where they will hear God's word and honor him. So let's bow in prayer today, shall we? Our Father and our God, I come before you, Lord, and I just thank you for each one of our families here in the church. Uh, you've been so good to us, Lord, how that you have moved mightily in all of their lives. And uh, God, how you've provided for each one of these families up here. And they dedicate their children to you this morning, Lord. Justin and Melissa, Lord, they are coming before you and they, they are giving to you little Lila, Lord. And we just ask that you will be upon her, Lord. She is a, she's a gift from God, Lord. And you've given, them, given this gift to Justin and Melissa. God, I, I know Justin and Melissa, they love you. They, they're seeking you. And Lord, you've entrusted them with this beautiful child. So God, I pray you give them the strength to raise her, the strength to, to, uh, to bring her up in the ways of Christ, to love her, to have fun with her, to spend time with her, and to impact her life in these 18 years that you've given her. For the next 18 years in their home, Lord, we just ask that you'll do great and mighty things in their family, Lord. God, I come before you for for little Emily, Lord, and I just lift up to you, little Emily, Lord. I thank you for her being one of our our newest on the stage up here this morning, Lord. And for for Matt and April, just wonderful parents, they're seeking you. And God, I left little Emily up to you, and I just pray that as we dedicate her to the Lord, God, uh, that that you will that you will do great and mighty things in her life. And that one day she too will come to an understanding of, of Jesus Christ and how much you love her. Thank you for godly parents like Matt and April, Lord, who will, who will invest in her and, and spend time with her and love her and, and just build into her so that she may have a, a great family and may come to know a great God, Lord. We dedicate little Emily to you, Lord. And God, I come over to, to Lila, Lord. We just lift up Lila before you, Lord, and she's just a wonderful, wonderful child. We thank you for... Thank you for wonderful parents, Joan, Teresa, Lord, and just all, all that you're doing in their lives. We, we thank you for Lila, God. What a gift. We remember whenever Joan, Teresa came and, uh, and they didn't have a child, and, and now you've given, her, given them this child, Lord. And we just dedicate, we dedicate Lila before you, Lord, and we just ask that you'll be with her parents as they raise her to honor and love you. And so, God, we dedicate these children, we dedicate even more of these parents before you this morning. And we ask that you will be honored and adored in this place. God, I pray for our congregation. I ask that you'll help us as a church to surround them in love and to to help them raise these children to honor and fear the Lord. In your name we pray. And all the Lord's people said, amen. Okay, you may be seated out there. And before you leave, I've asked Courtney Hodson, our children's ministry director. She's going to come and present each one of you, and we'll have to give that to the dads. All right? with your own set of marbles, uh, because we're playing for keeps, all right? We're playing for keeps. So would you give them all a round of applause and thank God with me this morning.
All right? You, got, you may have a seat. Thank you so much. Let's give them another, another applause. We're thanking God for them this morning. All right. Uh, just, a, just a few announcements as we continue our service. Isn't that exciting? What God is doing, you know, we had a few other families that were going to do that this morning, that were going to join them, but uh, we, the, the flu is making its rounds, if you haven't noticed that. So I think that's why we didn't have any handshake this morning. We don't want anybody to, to catch any bugs that are floating around out there. But uh, the flu is making its rounds. And if you'd like to dedicate your child in the future, please contact our office and we will, you know, uh, you, maybe you say, well, I missed it when it missed when it was a baby. We'll, we'll dedicate him at 10 years old. We'll do whenever. Whenever you say, look, I'm ready to make my commitment known to be public, to raise my children for the Lord. So we thank you, families. What an awesome privilege it is to be your pastor and to, to lead you in the ways of righteousness as you lead your, your children. So uh, just, a, just a few announcements this morning. Uh, we have, uh, I'd like to ask you to pass the friendship folder down the aisle. That will greatly help us. And then uh, we just have a few things that are coming up. Wednesday night, we have our Lego race. And that's going to be an exciting time for, for all the kids in the gym uh, pre-K through fifth grade, and uh, that, that's a, a great night. Uh, if you want to get in on that, go downstairs and check in downstairs. Uh, they'll give you some information at the kids' desk downstairs. And then uh, coming up on Palm Sunday, which is not next Sunday, but the following Sunday, if you can believe that, on Palm Sunday, for the kids in Canopy Kids, they're going to have an egg hunt. So instead of having an egg hunt on Saturday, they're going to have it on Sunday as part of their program down there. So while we're having our, our adult worship service, the, uh, the children downstairs will have a, an egg hunt. And in addition to their, to their class, in addition to the exciting things that we do for them regularly, they're going to have an egg hunt. So spread the word that's open to the community, open to anybody that would like to come. It's a great opportunity for you to bring somebody. So uh, that's one opportunity there. And then we have Thursday and Good Friday, uh, Eyes of Faith. This is a great, great program. On your way out the door today, we're going to give you two things to invite people. One is eyes of faith. Take as many as you can use. They'll, they'll probably hand you three or four, but if you can take 10, come and take 10. You can take 20, whatever you think you need. Um, but on the back, it says, are you one of the 75 million Netflix users that have been watched, binge-watched your last favorite show? No problem. We have a fabulous replacement for you to enjoy this Easter. Crossroads Ministries will present Eyes of Faith, a live musical documentary that provides eyewitness accounts of the events that led to the incredible story of Jesus. So this, this is a real opportunity. Take these and just get them out in the hands because that's on Thursday and Good Friday, the week of Easter. And then, there's a, then we have also an Easter. You know, Easter is a great time to invite people to, to church and to hear what God has for them. On the back of the Easter, it says, your mortgage, your kid's college tuition, your next meal. In today's world, your future uh, your, free, your future can feel uncertain, but your eternity doesn't have to. Our debts have been paid in full. Find out what that really means this Easter. So I want to encourage you, take them and uh, share them with a friend or a family member. You can, uh, you can leave them. If you go out to eat, you can leave them with a tip at a restaurant, but please do not leave it without a tip, okay? Because that is really not good for the church, and it's not good for you either, okay? So, uh, uh, you know, but please, uh, you know, be generous in your tipping. Leave one of those. Um, and just spread the word, and just take a step of faith. You know, there are people that come every Sunday right now because somebody this past Christmas invited them to come, and, uh, and, and they came, and they're, they're here, and they're loving, loving God and following God. So this time I'd like to call our ushers forward when we receive our morning offering, and, um, and what, what an awesome God we have. Amen?
He's been so good to us, giving us these great families in our church and watching these kids grow under the, the love of the Lord. So um, let's pause as we, we thank him for, for this opportunity to give to the Lord. Father God, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you for this opportunity to give unto you and to bless your name. Uh, we, we're, honored, we're honored to to be called your children. We're honored that you provide for us and that you care for us the way you do. God, I ask now that you will, you will open up uh, open our hearts as we give to you, Lord. You've given everything we have, and we're, we're honoring you, and we're giving back to you, as you've called us to do in your word. And Lord, some have given online, some have given through the mail, others have will be giving here today. And Lord, even for our guests, we, we allow this to pass them by, because this is really for our hearts as we give to you. We ask that you bless each gift and each giver in your name this morning. Amen. the storm walking on the water even when I could not see in the middle of it all when I thought you were a thousand miles away not for a moment did you forsake me not for a moment Take 
talking to you about what's love got to do with it. What's love got to do with dating relationships, with, uh, with your family relationships, with all the relationships in your life, and, and really it has everything to do with it. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> I was reminded this week, I was reading about a little girl. She was in preschool, not in our preschool here at the church, but she was in preschool. And uh, the, story, the teacher was reading to her the story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And she was reading it, and it's for the very first time the little girl ever heard it. And so she's sitting on the edge of her chair just paying attention. And, uh, you know, they go through the whole, the teacher goes through the whole story, how she ate the poison apple from the old witch, uh, and, and, and all this stuff, and, the, you know, Snow White went to sleep, and she had to wait for her Prince Charming to come, and, uh, and then, you know, Prince Charming came and kissed her, and, and all this fantastic, exciting story. So the little girl was so excited. Little Jane goes home, and she's just so excited. She comes home, and she's telling her mother. After preschool, she tells her mom, Mom, I learned a story today about Snow White, and she ate the apple, and then she went to sleep, wouldn't wake up, and she had to wait for Prince Charming, and her Prince Charming came and kissed her, and just telling her all the excitement, and the mom goes, yes, and, and I know what happened, and they lived happily ever after, and the little girl looks at her and says, no, mom, they got married, Okay? Isn't that what we quite often think sometimes? You know, marriage is really hard work. It really is. It, 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 take, it takes a lot of, pain, a lot of uh, love, a lot of care, a lot of pain at times. Marriage is, is important. It's well worth it. As you see these families up here today, you see they're at the beginning stages of their marriage. Uh, they're newly married within just a few years and, and starting their families. And, and so there are challenges that come to, to being married. And then, you know, I was... Thinking this morning, we had in our service here, we had um, Hal and Nancy Breinig, and they were just so happy because they've been married for 50 years. And so I was, uh, I was, you know, we honored them and thanked them. And I was sharing, you know, I, I asked, I love to get around people who've been married 50 years because there's so much wisdom you can learn from them. I asked them, you know, what's the secret? What's the secret to being married for 50 years? And, uh, and so one person told me, he said, uh, you know, the secret is separate bedrooms. He said, you just got to get some sleep, right? Uh, another guy said, you know, just say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. And then, uh, so on the, way out, on the way out the door this morning, uh, Don Henze was here, and he was married 58 years, he and his wife. And uh, he said, somebody gave him five statements that were really key to a happy marriage, and he says, this is what he lives by. So he, th- these were them. I'll just share them with you. They're all three words, all right? And I think we could all memorize these this morning. He says, first is to say, I love you. Then to say, you look wonderful. Then to say, can I help? And then, it's my fault. And this was the best one. Let's eat out. All right? So those were his, his tips there, okay? But honestly, you know, marriage is, is, can be scary. Uh, relationships can be scary. I'll never forget whenever I was getting married, uh, my good friend Phil Allen and I, we, we grew up in Dormont. And so I, it's like the week before I'm getting married, and, and, uh, and we're sitting down here. We were at the... Uh, it was down here, what used to be Sheets, it's now Sunoco, but we get a, a good old-fashioned hot dog with chili, and we were sitting in the parking lot in the car, and we're talking, and I'll never forget, he's like, you know what, 50 years, dude, that's a long time. He goes, what are you thinking, you know, and, we're, and we, I just remember this discussion that we're talking about how 50 years, see, I, I come from a family that was broken, and so did my friend, and so did my whole neighborhood, basically. We, we all saw the broken families, and so we didn't know what it was like to see somebody been married 50 years. 
And so, you know, the week of my wedding, I'm like, oh, man, this is so, I'm so excited and so, so scared at the same time. I mean, 50 years. And so I, I, I realized that I can't think about 50 years. I can only think about 50 minutes, you know, take it hour by hour. And if I, t- if I take care of that hour, there's, there's likely to be another hour to come, okay? But, uh, you know, I can't be thinking about 50 years. And, and so, so that's... Uh, Love is so important. It's a, it's a great, important part of our life, and we need to develop love. Uh, we all want to have Velcro type of love. I think we want love that sticks. You know, in 1948, Velcro was invented. Uh, a man went out in the woods with his dog, and he came back, and there was a bunch of little burrs stuck all over the dog. So he took the, the, uh, the little burrs, and he put them under a microscope, and he saw that there was a series of hooks all in that little burr. So he made his own, own burrs, Velcro. It's a series of hoops and hooks. And so he, he puts the hoops and the hooks together, and it holds. And as a matter of fact, Velcro, they say that uh, according to Bob Golden in a book called Why Didn't I Think of That, he says a two-inch square piece of Velcro can hold and support the weight of a 175-pound person. And according to, uh, to another book, they all laughed, from light bulbs to lasers, a piece of Velcro less than five inches square can support a weight of one ton. So Velcro is pretty powerful, isn't it? I mean, you put that together and it, it'll, it'll do the job. It'll stick. It'll, it'll make it through. You can put it in cold and hot. It makes it through all those things. So Velcro can do it. And I think that's the type of love that we want. We want to have Velcro love. We want love that's going to stick, love that's going to last. And, uh, and as we've been studying the book of Ruth here, head on over to the book of Ruth chapter 2, as where we're going to pick up in just a few moments. But you know, the, the, the basic outline that we've gone through, we've, we've looked up about how that, uh, you know, it's, you can look at eat, pray, and love in there. You saw that they were eating. I mean, here, 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 here there was, it was driven by food, right? They're in Israel. God dries up the food. He's, the Israel walked away from God. And so he dries up the food. And, and what does Elimelech and Naomi and their two sons, Malon and Chilion, they get up and they leave Israel and they go over to Moab. And Moab was a horrible place. They worshipped the god Chemosh. They were far from God. And it was, it was really not a good place for them. Uh, they disobeyed God in that time, and there was a lot of consequences of that. But they, they went through, and uh, it was during the, that time that, uh, that they lost. Elimelech died, and the two sons, Malon and Chilion, died. So a number of these, uh, they, they faced some death. And, you know, when we go to Moab, and I've been challenging you to think the, the past weeks, where's your Moab? Where have you gone? Where, what has been harmful, uh, a, a tough time in your life, and you just were away from God? Um, you know, because it's in there. Typically, when we go there, we go and we stay longer than we want to stay, and we pay more than we want to pay. And that's what happened to this family. They stayed longer than they wanted to stay, and they paid more than they wanted to pay. Loss of Elimelech, the dad, and the two sons, Malon and Chilion. But Malon and Chilion had, had, had married Moabite women. They married some people that were locals. And, uh, and, and as they married them, uh, God had a greater plan that was, that was going to unfold in the book of Ruth. So, so, um, so Ruth ends up coming back. Uh, they, they both head back, but Orpah stays back, goes back to Moab. And here is uh, Ruth and Naomi. They come back. They come back for food because the food was good. Uh, the, har- uh, the, uh, the, uh, the famine was done, and so they came back to Israel, to Bethlehem, to the house of bread. And then there was praying. You can look at the, and see how that they were praying. There were times that they were just praying and praying and praying. And uh, you can only imagine how they were praying. Uh, when they lost their husbands, whenever they lost everything, 
Because in that culture, to be a widow was at the, was at the bottom. I mean, they, they lost everything, all security, all ownership, everything. And so it was a really challenging time for them. And you can just see them crying. You see, see Naomi, she says, call me Mara, call me bitter. And we talked about that last week about a little bit. Sometimes we go through those dark hours of depression and being down, and God is still there, even though it doesn't feel like it. Uh, and so, so we see that that's what's happening with this family. And God is still working. And then today we're going to look at the, the, uh, the, the next aspect of love because we looked at love all along the way. And by the way, when you're in those moments and you're crying out to the Lord, I want you to be honest with Him. I want you to know that you can come before Him and tell Him, Lord, I feel alone. I feel forsaken. I feel pain because it's okay to do that. If you look in the book of Psalms, that's how the psalmist talked to God. And if, if, if Scripture can do that, I think you can do that. You can come before the Lord and say, God, why have you forsaken me? I feel so pain. I feel so alone. And just be honest with him because as you talk to him, he's going to minister and care for you. He cares for you constantly. He's going to minister to your soul. And then love, the story of God's redeeming love. We see how God redeems Naomi, how God redeems Ruth. Um, it's an incredible story. Ruth chapter 2, beginning in verse 1 here this morning, we're going to start reading And uh, it says, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field. It's a very interesting statement in the Bible. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. Very interesting. Don't you find it? She just happened to come there. Uh, Who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Now here's where the love starts. You ready? Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? He took notice, didn't he? Huh? A little twinkle in the eye, if you know what I'm saying, okay? Uh, And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves among the reapers. So she came, and she continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. And so what we see here we see the beginning of what looked like things that just happened. Uh, they were really looking, uh, things were really looking down for Naomi and Ruth, and it looks like things are just happening. Uh, it just happens to be that they went to Moab. It just happens that there was a famine, they ran for food. It just happens that they came back and it's barley harvest. It just happens to be that they're out and that, that, that Naomi's... Uh, uh, Naomi needs food, and she's, she's older. And young Ruth says, I will care for you. I will love you, and I will go out and work. I'll go into the field, and I'll glean. This was how God provided. He, he set up for the poor, that when the, when the poor would uh, be in the fields, uh, they could come, and they could get the leftovers. Uh, he, the, 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 the landowners were instructed by God to leave little extra. Tell, tell your reapers to leave some fall on the ground. Leave extra in the corners and and help out the poor. And so Naomi says, Naomi's there, and uh, Ruth goes before Naomi and says, can I go out and work? And and she says, yes. And Naomi is no doubt honored. 
She is no doubt honored because this young Moabite woman who was young enough, who could have won out and found another husband, went out and went back to Moab and found another husband back there. This young woman is staying loyal to the mother-in-law and leaves her homeland, comes all the way back to the house of bread in Israel and follows her, starts to follow God. And we see this playing out in their life. And now she goes out on the field and just happens to be that this is Boaz, billionaire Boaz. Boaz with all the land, with all the money. Boaz who was able... And listen, she wasn't going out. Here's what happened. She didn't go out. She didn't type in, you know, billionaireboaz.com. You know, she wasn't going and saying, okay, I'm going to find a mate today. She said, Naomi, I'm clinging to you. Where you die, I will die. And I love you. And I'm going to be there. And I'm going to give everything I have for you. And so she goes out and she's working in the field. And as she's working in the field, she sees, she hears this Boaz. Boaz now comes around. Now, look, look what happens. Boaz takes notice of her. Um, verse 8, then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to, to, the, to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink with the young men and have, uh, drink what the young men have drawn. And then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I'm a foreigner? Uh, this, was not, this was not normal. This was a foreigner. She's a, uh, this isn't her homeland. He took, he took notice on her. Uh, verse 11, But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law... Since the death of your husband has been fully told to me and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to the people that you did not know before. And the Lord repay you for what you have done. A full reward will be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to me, though I am not one of your servants." Boaz is of outstanding character. He's of noble character. He cares, and he sees the field. And as he sees the field, he cares for the poor. He takes it in his field. He makes, makes sure that they are properly cared for, as is described over in Deuteronomy chapter 24. Uh, Ruth, Ruth 2.20 says this, And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. Um, that word there, redeemers, some translations have the word kinsman. Others will use the word redeemer because the, the Hebrew word there means to buy back. And says that this is one of our, and what, what, what was a common practice, there was a cultural practice uh, for the family. If, you, if, a, if a man died in your family, it was common practice for the next of kin, the, the next kinsman, to come and redeem that family. He would buy the land, he would marry the, the widow, and care for the children, care for the mother-in-law. I mean, there were so many things that, uh, that this man would do. And so this man, Boaz, Naomi says, I can't believe it. It's been down, God's been working, uh, this has been hard, I didn't see the hand of God, and yet God is doing something. 
And let me just say this about the book of Ruth. You don't see a whole lot of instruction about God in there. You see the characters telling you about God. You see what the, how the characters respond to God. The narrator doesn't come out and say, now God did this. It's very interesting because you're just seeing the characters. And what you're seeing is you're seeing things that look like they just happened. And here's what happens in history. History is like a glove. It's the glove on the hand of God. And, and you, you look in life and you see things that have happened. You see negative situations. You see uh, turmoil, all the things in your world that, that can potentially rock your world. And here's what happens. God is in the hand of the glove. And he's working. And we can trust his divine providence. We can trust who he is. I like what Woodrow Wilson said about divine providence. He said, without it, I would go crazy. He said, uh, without divine providence, life would be like a maze without a clue. You see, God has his hand in our life. He is not removed from our life. His, his hand is working, and it's in that glove, and he is moving. And he, even when you think he's not, he is moving. And so here, all of a sudden, they find that this man is the redeemer. He's the guy who's eligible to carry the family name on. He's the guy who is eligible to not only carry the family name on, but to go ahead and give, uh, to, 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 he can stand up and he can buy the land back, and he's eligible to marry her. He's eligible to care for her, to, to be her, her provider. So Naomi and Ruth come up with a plan. And over in chapter 3, we see that they're talking, and, and, uh, and she says this, Ruth chapter 3, verse 3 through 5. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating. Hmm. Uh, here's a little bit more of the love story, you see. It says, uh, go make yourself noticeable. Let them know that you're available. Kind of reminds you of The Bachelor, doesn't it? You know? Uh, he says, go, she says, Naomi says, go make yourself available. Here's what happened. They were down. She was probably wearing grief clothes. Uh, whenever, whenever in grieving and mourning, they would wear these clothes that would, that would signify to everybody that this widow was mourning and in grief. And sometimes it would last a year. It could last longer. And, and whenever they were done, they would change their clothes and it would signify to the rest of the world that she was done grieving and that she was available now for that she could be remarried, that other things could move on in her life. And so this is what he says there. He says, Naomi says to Ruth, go present yourself. Uh, verse 4, when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Go uncover his feet and lie down and he'll tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say, I will do. It's time for you to get Boaz's attention. And so she does. She goes and gets Boaz's attention. Uh, chapter 3, verse 9. Uh, she, she, she did what her mother-in-law said. Uh, he said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. She's saying, will you marry me? You know, it's kind of a strange way. Spread your wings over me, right? Uh, whenever I, I got engaged, I'll never forget, I, I, I took Rhonda down to Pittsburgh, and I bought her a nice meal. And we were up on Mount Washington. I had this plan. I was going to give her this ring and a horse and buggy carriage down at Station Square. And I was so nervous. I mean, I had this ring and a Kleenex in my suit coat. You know, it's the only time she ever saw me in a suit coat. That and my wedding day, right? So I, I had the suit coat on and, and she's, uh, you know, and I've, I'm fiddling around with this ring and I, I get down there and the, the horse and buggy isn't running that night. I mean, you know, could you just 
you know, that, it's a tough life, you know? So I get down there, so I go to plan B, and we go over to the fountain. And I don't even think the fountain was running. But I said, I can't wait no more. I've got to give her this ring. So I, I, I asked her to marry me, but I didn't say, can I spread my wings over you, baby, you know? That's what Naomi did. Naomi said, will you spread your wings over me? Will you marry me? You are eligible. I'm available now, and you are eligible. My time of mourning is done. Will you marry me? Will you be the redeemer? In other words, will you be the one who can buy our land, carry on the family name? Will you be the one who will continue on, who will provide for me, love me, restore my my life? And he said, verse 10, and he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. And, um, and you have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen now know that you are, worthy, that you are a worthy woman. Yeah, he, he says to her, he continues on, he says, listen, yes, I'll be your redeemer. Yes, I'll marry you. I'll be the kinsman redeemer. And he, and he takes it and he says, um, listen, your loving kindness, your kindness is, is incredible because not only are you asking me to marry you, I'm older Boaz, but you're younger Ruth. And there was no doubt a twinkle in his eye over that. But he says, you could have went out and found any young man out there. And you could have went back to Moab. You could have found anybody to marry, but yet you stayed here. Your love for Naomi, your love for Naomi is so powerful. And so he is, he is remarking over that. And so here's what happens. They take one step at a time. One step at a time. Naomi was coming back. She was overwhelmed with grief. She was overwhelmed with, with life. And she just doesn't see any good thing happening. But she takes a small step. She comes back to Bethlehem. Ruth goes out and starts the work. And they're just thinking it's life as normal under this pain, under this hardship. And it's just one step after one step after one step. And yet God was working. And he puts Boaz in their life who could redeem them and not only take care of Ruth, not only become Ruth's husband, not only marry this widow Ruth, but also can go back and care for Naomi because Naomi has no husband. And she is old, and now he, he is going to care for Ruth and the mother-in-law. Uh, and he says, he says, to, he says to, to Ruth, I am amazed by that. And then Ruth chapter 4, verse 13. So, Ruth took, so Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. You know what is happening throughout this whole book? There's a very interesting thing that's happening through this book. It is, uh, there's a word that's used over and over. Um, and we see this here in Ruth chapter 1.8. Naomi said to her, to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord show his kindness to you as you have shown kindness to your dead and to me. Um, that word kindness there is really a lot more than kindness. Uh, and, and, and if you go back and you, you look, the, the Bible, that Old Testament was written in Hebrew. You look at the Hebrew, you say, wow, what was... What was so powerful about that word? What does that word mean? Let me give you a few thoughts here about what that word means. Not only can you see, it's translated kindness, but you, can, you get this idea from it, okay? You get love. 
Um, the, the word can be translated. You could read that. Then Naomi said to her daughters, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show love to you as you have shown love to me. Love. That's one aspect of that word. Here's another aspect of the word. Mercy. Um, you know, we all need mercy in our life. Sometimes we think we don't. You know, in relationships, I need mercy. I, I, I need not for people to hold a grudge on me whenever I've offended them, okay? Uh, you need in your relationship, husband and wife, for, for things to, to get along better, even when we make mistakes, right? I need mercy. I need forgiveness. So you could read that. Uh, May the Lord show his mercy to you as you have shown mercy to me. Um, and then there's also this other word here, kind, which we see it translated there, kind. Uh, over in 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about kindness. It says that, that you, you know, if you want to have love, love is patient, love is kind. So that's another dimension of the word, uh, that you'd be kind as you've been kind to me. And then there's the last dimension of this word here, involves this word right here, okay? Loyal. And when we look, and we look at being loyal, the, the concept behind this word kindness really is this. Loyal love. Loyal love. And that's what we see throughout the whole book. We see Naomi is loyally loving her family, caring for these, even these, these, these Moabite women that are now widows in her family. She invites them to come back. So there's a loyal love there. And then, then Ruth has a loyal love towards Naomi. And now Boaz compliments both of them, compliments, compliments Ruth and says, what an incredible love. But, and, and, and that blows his mind. And now Boaz has an incredible loyal love because he's going to love this, this Ruth and he's going to love the mother-in-law and he's going to do all this. He goes through the whole process. He goes out into the town and here there was another kinsman, another person that would be a closer relative that could have taken and become the redeemer. But the other redeemer said, once he found out that there was not just land, he found out that there was Ruth and Naomi to care for. He says, well, I'll pass. I don't want to ruin my own inheritance. And so he goes and he deals with that. And then Boaz says, I will gladly redeem you. I will gladly buy back the land, marry Ruth, and care for Naomi. And he steps in. See, that's really a picture of what Christ did for us. Loyal love. See, loyal love is so much deeper than what we think of today. And when you think of, of love out there today, um, you know, we, we have this big feeling and emotion-based. And really, love is not feeling and emotion-based. Love, love, this is the type of love that we need. We, ha- we need a loyal love in our life. Um, if I'm going to love my wife, I need to love her loyally. Love my wife out of lo- uh, and with a loyal love. Um, you know, you go look in Hollywood, you see Hollywood, the couples are together. And, uh, you know, I hear this, my, you know, from time to time. I got girls in the house, so the, they kind of watch that stuff, you know. Oh, did you hear so-and-so got married? Yeah, oh, it's all fun. It's all exciting, right? And it's always exciting because, oh, isn't she so pretty? And look at him. Isn't he such a good-looking guy? And look at his bank account, you know. And they'll be happy for the rest of their life together. And so this big feeling-based, and then what happens? A couple years later, my kids come back to me and say, oh, Dad, can you believe they broke up? I'm like, really? 
Can you believe they broke up? Why? Because they had a feeling base. It was an emotion base. And here's what happens. If you come in your life and you just keep living off of emotions, living, trying to love based on feeling, here's what happens. You'll come and you'll get so far and it'll die. And then you'll say, all right, I'm going to come out. I'm going to get another feeling. I'm going to come over here. Oh, this is so good. It's wonderful. And a couple years go by. Then you come over here and you find another relationship and you just keep going because all this emotion is not really love. It's fun. No doubt those are fun feelings. But those aren't, that's not loyal love. When Naomi loved, Naomi loved those, those widow daughter-in-laws, that was hard work. When Ruth loved loyally mother-in-law and left her country and followed home, that was loyal love. That was hard work. Um, you know, it's, it, it, and when Boaz stepped into this situation, there was a lot of work to what had to be done here. He wasn't just getting a, a pretty young wife. He was getting a whole bunch of responsibility. And he stepped in and he redeemed the situation. And so this morning, I want to encourage you with love. Um, you know, true love begins where feelings end. When feelings end, true love begins. And that really is so true. Uh, you know, when I get around those people who've been married 50 years, they tell me about how it gets better and gets better and gets better. And in the meantime, before I got married, I was scared to death of that. And the reality is that when those mushy, gushy feelings are over, it gets deeper. And love goes to a place that you've never seen before because loyal love is so powerful. Um, we, we, we need to... When, true love, when our feelings end, true love begins. Uh, submit to commit your feelings to your commitments. I want to encourage you this. Submit to commit your feelings to your commitments. All right, you've made a commitment. You're, you're married. You have a commitment. So I submit my feelings. I submit to commit my feelings to my commitment. Uh, you, may, you may wake up in the middle, you know, you may wake up one day and say, I just don't feel married. Well, I don't know what that feels like. I am married. You know, we wake up every day, my hair is a mess. You know, my, my wife thought I was Prince Charming at one point, you know. Now she knows. You know, we've been married like 23 years, I think, this year, right? 23? It's been a while. All right? So, l- listen, when, before we got married, I was really something to love. I was lovelier. Now I'm follically challenged. <laughs> Among other shortcomings. Or overflowing, right? So listen, our life changes. And guess what? Loyal love goes so much deeper than a feeling. And I want to encourage you to, t- to, to commit your feelings to your commitments. Because that is the danger zone. And I, as I hear people talk about love and I'm in love, out of love, and this happened, that happened. What happens is it's at that, that moment that people, they start to look at their feelings and they... They say they base, make, a, make a poor decision based on an emotion, based on a feeling. In the meantime, commit your feelings to your commitments. That's what loyal love does. That's what Naomi did. And so as you look through there, there's verse after verse, but uh, I'm just going to jump down to Ruth 3.10 here. Ruth, loved, uh, Ruth had the same love as she had for Naomi. Um, Ruth had that love for Naomi. Boaz has that love for Ruth. And he said, Ruth 3.10, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first. 
in that you have not gone after younger men, whether rich or poor. And then look how it pays off. Ruth chapter 4, verse 13. And he went into her. I'm sorry. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. And the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who was not left, who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to them. Then, then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the mother of the neighborhood, the women of the neighborhood, gave him a name saying, A son that has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed, who was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David. Now catch this. Ruth, Naomi, Elimelech, leave. They go out and make poor decisions. Their kids make poor decisions, marry Moabite women. Elimelech, the sons die. She comes back, it's just her and Ruth. It looked bad. It looked like they made terrible mistakes. It looked all these things were down. God was moving. Now look at what God was doing here. He provides a redeemer. He redeems Ruth. He redeems Naomi, redeems the land, cares for them. They have a baby. The baby's name is Obed, who becomes the grandfather of King David, who is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. So, who saves the day? Boaz. Ruth and Boaz. God took Ruth, the Moabite, and put Ruth, the Moabite, from somebody's mistake, which wasn't a mistake by God, put her into the lineage of Jesus Christ. And you know what? Naomi couldn't see it. She was overwhelmed with grief, with burden. She could not see it until it happened. And this is what's happening in your life. You are overwhelmed. God is in the hand of history. And He's moving it. And at times, we need to learn how to love. I need to learn how to have that loyal love. But this loyal love paid off, and it was the loyal love of God that paid off because God was working when Elimelech and Naomi moved and went to Moab and made poor decisions. God was still working. God was still working. And if we can understand that, that God is still working in your life, even when you think you made a mistake, listen, God used everything in your life, good, bad, everything, because he loves you with an unconditional love. He is loyal. He is loyal. Let's bow in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I just want to encourage you about that loyal love of God. He loves you. He loves you when you're lovely. He loves you when you're not lovely. Um, he, he loves you. And he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. He came back to life again, and, in, and he's given you the opportunity to become his child, to be adopted into his family. And, and what a powerful thing it is for God to, to adopt you into his family, the Bible tells us. So this morning, I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you have, have been, been to church or not been to church. Wherever you're at, it doesn't matter. God says, I love you with an everlasting love. No matter what you do, where you've been, what mistake you've done, what mess 
God loves the mess. God can redeem messes all the time. I've watched it over and over and over. This is what God does. He redeems you. He buys you back and he, he gives you this new life. So I want to encourage you this morning, would you respond to Christ? And if that's you, you need to, you need to accept Christ as your Savior and invite him into your life. I, I'd like to just ask you right now just to pray a prayer something like this. Just quietly to the Lord. Just pray, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things in my life. And this morning, God, I give you my mess. I need you to redeem me. Redeem my mess, Lord. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. And you are the only one who can be my redeemer. And I invite you into my life right now. And if that's you today, I'd like to encourage you, if you prayed that prayer, would you, would you share that with somebody today? Just, just share. Hey, listen, God touched me today in that church, and I prayed at the end of the service. Your friends, your family, the people you're with will be so, much, so encouraging to you. And for others, maybe, maybe there's some decisions in your life. I don't know where you're sitting in your family relationships. Maybe, maybe there's a child that you need to learn to love unconditionally. They're driving you nuts. There's a lot of pain, a lot of problem. God wants you to love them loyally. They are your child. God gave them to you to love, to care, to pour your life into them. Maybe it's a, a relationship, a husband and wife relationship. God wants you to be loyal in your love. Go way beyond Hallmark emotions. Get to something so much deeper. You can only do it through the power of God. Invite Him. To, and, and just maybe you need to go home. You need to think about who's the person I need to talk to? Who's the person I need to redirect my attitude? Maybe it's a family relationship, a dating relationship, a relationship in the church. Whatever it is, would you lay it at the foot of the cross this morning? God, I thank you for your incredible love, for this incredible love story in the book of Ruth. God, thank you that you loved us with a loyal, loyal everlasting love that we don't even deserve. We thank you for being our Redeemer. In your name we pray. Amen. So I'll stand together as we sing our closing song. Savior, there's no one higher than you.